Welcome to Successful Parenting, where we, Jackie Rue and Robin Choquette, share practical skills for families to build resilience and healthy connections. As practicing professionals and parents ourselves, we hope this podcast is a resource for parents to grow, reflect, and learn more about themselves and their children. Our approach is simple, tangible, and most importantly, we lead with compassion for the integrity of the families we serve. This podcast should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for informational purposes only. We love our work and we can't wait to watch families gain confidence and open themselves up to new ways of successful parenting. Good afternoon, Robin. How's it going? Good. How are you this lovely afternoon, Jackie? Good. It's nice to see the sun. Been a lot of sun this week, so it's been nice. Yeah. Always the mood lifter. You see everyone around just smiling when the sun's out, especially after a long stretch of no sun and clouds. So I love that people just seem to be smiling a lot more today. Yeah. That's one thing clients are saying, you know, just this weather is making me feel a little bit better. My mood's a little better. And that's such a positive thing, right? Is that we have something that's just so natural that we can tap into that plays a part in our mood. Yes. And I am excited about our guest expert today. Yes. I've known her for a long time. Actually, I've known her probably longer than she's known me. I knew of her because she's been in a lot of leadership roles. She is someone I have definitely admired and her name is Shira Greenfield. She is a licensed clinical professional counselor and she has done amazing work with families and clients, but also running programming and interventions in hospital and different healthcare settings, inpatient, outpatients, also like really just engaging teams and, and helping folks get excited excited about their jobs, in particular therapeutic jobs, which as we know, sometimes while really rewarding can be challenging too. So, you know, helping therapists and clinicians with burnout, helping parents stay engaged with parenting. I'm excited just sharing conversation today. The topic we're going to be talking about is the impact of positive psychology on parenting. And I think it's one that our parents are really, really going to enjoy and benefit from. Yeah. When you're describing, she just has experience and knowledge. And I think that is always exciting to talk to. So I am looking forward to it. Hello, Shira. (laughs) Don't set the bar too high. (laughs) (laughs) It's always better to over deliver. (laughs) But it's kind of fun too. And I know you probably feel this way as I do. You know, we've been in the field a long time. And so you do start to feel like, wow, I actually do know a thing or two. Yeah. As opposed to when we first started out and we were like, God, I hope no one finds out we don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. What are some of your favorite parts of your background you'd want to share? And and how did you become drawn to the topic of positive psychology? Well, it's a great question. I... Here's the true answer. So as you said, done a lot with teams. I worked in a hospital system. I managed a crisis program. I had a team that was in the emergency room. I had been on a suicide prevention task force for a long time. And at one point, somebody was doing a story for the local newspaper on suicide. And apparently somebody said to the reporter, if you're doing a story on suicide, you have to reach out to she 
Azure or Greenfield. Wow. I remember saying, like, why can't I be known for having a beautiful singing voice or, you know, <laughs> being a ballerina or something, you know? It's like, oh, man. I can't remember my initial introduction to positive psychology, but I was really drawn to it right away when I learned about it. So learning about Dr. Martin Seligman, who was the president of the American Psychological Association at the time, and he kind of said, the field has come this far. We now have nomenclature. We now have the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. We have ways of measuring depression and measuring anxiety, and we have developed interventions to help with all these things. And what about this other side? We're just going for no symptoms, no evidence of disease. And why aren't we actually looking at the science of what makes people thrive? We don't want people to just be at zero to go from like negative five or negative 10, right? On a depression scale to getting somebody to zero is great. But what about, and he was also interested in the helpers, right? He was also interested in psychologists and other people who were helping. What about those people who were essentially at zero, but wanted more? And it's kind of one of those things like, you know, when you don't feel great and you go to your doctor, they run some blood work or whatever. And then they say, nope, everything's normal, normal. (laughs) But you know that you don't feel good. (laughs) You know that there's something wrong or that you want to feel better, that you actually want to feel energized or alive or motivated or happy to be doing what you're doing or feeling like you are living up to your potential. Right. Mm -hmm. So that really spoke to me, especially after being so much in the other end of the spectrum in terms of pathology and disease and sadness. There is this thing that is actually the science of happiness. He started this movement, you know, 25 years ago or so. Now there's so much science behind this. We understand. The line I used to say is that positive psychology was seeking an answer to the question. What makes life worth living? Yeah. You know, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. What What makes makes life life worth living? It's definitely not an easy question to answer. Right. And of course, it was cool at the beginning. You know, when I first started studying it, it was all about looking at the science of this is what we know doesn't help. It doesn't help to be thin and pretty and rich. That doesn't help. And then it's like, well, yeah, of course, you can look at the tabloids, you know, (laughs) stories filled with, you know, tall, thin, rich, beautiful people who are desperately unhappy. It's not those things. Okay, so what is it? And so now at this point, you know, we have a pretty good idea of what does help contribute to that sense of, you know, a life well lived. Well, it's interesting because I was with a group of 10 high school girls last night. They're intelligent, they're athletic, they're fun, they have great personalities. This group said we've had tech and social media since we were kids. This is kind of what we've grown up in. And we do believe that how you look is what makes you happy, kind of what you live for. And so it was interesting. They said it's hard to shift because everything we see is about trying to look better. And when you look better, you feel better. And so they're constantly not feeling great because they're constantly not feeling like they look perfect or look the certain way. So they're not happy, but they're continuing to chase it. Mm-hmm. That comparison. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, you listen to interviews with Tyra Banks who said, you know, she was bullied in high school because she was so tall and gawky. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, even the models don't look like the models, you know? Right. <laughs> well, that's true. I know you talk a lot about 
the PERMA model of well-being. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how is that helpful? Why is that important for parents to understand? Well, essentially, this is kind of where we're at right now in our understanding of what does matter. PERMA is acronym and it is kind of the state of where we are in our knowledge right now about what does make life worth living for people, right? So the P in PERMA stands for positive emotion. I could talk for a long time about, you know, how do you enhance positive emotion. And if I were to ask each of you, think of a time, a very specific time when you experienced positive emotions. doesn't have to be the most or the biggest, but just a very specific time when you experienced one of those positive emotions. Okay. You guys got one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And now I'm just going to ask you to focus on that sense of a positive emotion until I tell you to stop. Okay, go. And just see if you can stay right there with that sense, that experience of positive emotion. Okay, and stop. So were each of you able to stay focused on it? Yeah, I think I could do it. I mean, it wasn't easy. I was saying the words over and over to myself just to keep that focus going. Oh, nice. That's a a nice strategy. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, yes. I think I was too. Okay, so first of all, a lot of people are not, but, and by the way, that was 15 seconds or about, it was about 17 seconds, actually. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are not able to, which we can talk about that. That's a whole other reason, right? The negativity bias or it comes right in. It's just hard to stay focused on it, right? Yeah. But then if I say, think about the last time you felt really pissed off. Can I say pissed off? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Think about the last time you felt really pissed off and focus on that for 17 seconds. Well, even physically, I mean, I had to really, as I said, I kept saying the words over and over Mm -hmm. and almost visualizing it to stay in the positive, but the negative physically, I could feel myself, my shoulders went up and I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, our brains are hardwired, right? To pay more attention to threat than to reward. And for people who are able to stay focused in on that sense of a positive emotion, they will usually experience a few things. Again, even in just a few seconds, in 15, 20 seconds, they will say, oh, I felt as if I were reliving it. Or a lot of people have the experience of, I felt warmer, which is interesting. It's just something I've heard over and over again. You know, sort of the sense of like glowing kind of from the inside, if you will. I never read that in any science book, but I'm just telling you after like asking a few hundred people (laughs) what their experience was, this is something I hear over and over again. And the thing that I see with people that they notice is I found myself smiling, right? Yes. So, which is really interesting when you're doing it like in a group setting, you ask somebody that and then you just see like a bunch of people in the group start to (laughs) smile just by recalling an experience of a positive emotion. You know, I mean, usually people pick significant positive things. You know, it wasn't the guy held the door open for me this morning. Typically, they find something that was more meaningful to them. But still, they have this experience even in a few seconds. But the message is, the line from the neuroscientists is, our brains are Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive. Oh, wow. I have also... (laughs) 
<laughs> understood that less and less people know what Teflon is. <laughs> so it is a sign of my age, but because I guess it's not as great for you as I thought it was. But anyways, Teflon was the original, I think, you know, no stick formula that was on uh, cooking pans, you know, so yes. things like slide right off. But obviously the Velcro is like, that's what grabs you, right? That's right. And that's their evolutionary process to keep us safe. You touch a hot stove once, right? So the P in PERMA, sorry, I told you I could go on and on about (laughs) uh, talking about positive emotion. So the P in PERMA is about just enhancing positive emotion. And there's lots of different things that we can do actually to help us increase our intensity and frequency of experiencing positive emotion. And it doesn't have anything to do with our circumstances. And it doesn't have anything to do with our BMI (laughs) or the shape of our eyebrows. The E in PERMA stands for engagement. And this is really, you know, the work of, you know, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who's the guy who really studied flow and this sense mm-hmm. of like, you know, when are you engaged in something that where you feel alive, you know, where time seems to stand still when you are completely focused in on it, where you're doing it because you love it. He has all different kinds of rules for when you're in flow. But we know that when people are really engaged in that meaningful activity or something, like I said, makes them feel alive, that increases overall happiness or well-being. The R in PERMA stands for relationship. And, you know, when they ask one of the kind of the the fathers of positive psychology, you know, if you could sum up positive psychology in two words, what would you say? And he said, relationships matter. So we tell people, if you want to enhance your sense of well-being, invest in your personal relationships. Yes. The M in PERMA is for meaning. What's our meaning? That sense of, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing or this matters, therefore I matter. I see a lot of women in their 50s who have derived all of their meaning from the parenting role. And then they get to a point where it's like, The kids are, they're leaving, they've graduated. And then it's, well, who am I if I'm not the football mom or the cheer mom or whatever? And they have to kind of reinvent themselves or decide what their meaning is. So anyways, I find that to be really interesting in working with women. The A is uh, stands for accomplishment or achievement. This is why, you know, when you work with a coach, you work with a teacher, you work with a therapist, everyone's talking about, you know, what's your goal. So the reason why we know is that when people set goals, and just kind of march along toward a goal, whether it's, you know, I want to run a 5k, or I want to earn a degree, or I want to save $5,000, that whatever it is, when, when we set a goal, and we march toward it, that a sense of achievement, or accomplishment adds to our sense of well-being. So that's a very short, obviously, explanation of PERMA. But those are the things that we absolutely know based on all the research that's been done. That makes a difference. What would you say about the elements of PERMA, helping families, in particular parents, really connect to the children and foster that resilience and emotional health? Well, one thing is, again, going back to the P and the positive emotion, and that is kind of the sense of like, don't 
let the little moments pass you by. You know, I Mm -hmm. have asked this question of literally thousands of grownups. I teach a class, people who are court ordered to attend if they file for divorce and they have minor age children. And it's really supposed to teach them how to co-parent. The subtitle of the class is, you know, how to keep your kids out of your own crap. (laughs) At the end of class, I will ask people to close their eyes and think of a time that they felt love and safe in their homes when they were growing up. Hear all these like cool stories. You know, people get very specific. We had a Chevy Trailblazer and my parents <laughs> drive the Chevy Trail Trailblazer in the backyard and we would have a fire and they would blast music from the Chevy Trailblazer. Lots of stories of family dinners. It's funny because some people are sort of shocked because they think of actually chores. I thought of yard day. Oh, God. (laughs) My parents, I thought of yard day. But yard day was when the whole family got together and we all had to work to clean up the yard for spring. Here's the thing. Nobody ever says... I felt safe and loved when I got PS5 (laughs) or I felt safe and loved when I got, you know, Nintendo 64 or, you know, Atari or whatever. It's never about stuff. It's always about time. And almost always people will talk about things that don't cost money. It was like being read to, having dinner. The first time I got to make chocolate chip cookies with my mom, when you ask grownups, This is what comes up. So when you're talking about how do you apply the lessons of PERMA to parenting, it is pay attention to the important stuff, which is reading at bedtime, asking people how they are when you sit on the couch. Every Saturday, we had a fire in the fireplace. Yeah, that these little things matter. And that's the problem with the negativity bias is, again, we let those moments kind of be the Teflon, right? We don't pay attention to them. We let them slide off of us. We think that they're not important. And I will say that sometimes when I ask people, what made you feel safe and loved as a kid? Sometimes people will say, Christmas. And then I will say, what was it about Christmas that made you feel safe and loved? And people always say the same things, which is A, everybody was there. B, everybody was basically in a good mood. Again, not about the gifts. Yeah. Now, will kids ask for that? Will they will they tell you that that's what they need in order to be happy? Of course they will. But, you know, you're a parent for forever. What do you want them to remember about feeling safe and loved when they're 20? Like, what's the stuff that sticks? That's about paying attention to the moments. Well, and I think that that's today's world that can be so hard because people are rushing around, that rat racer mentality. You've talked about, I'll be happy when it's always yeah. the next thing or if I get this. So, And I've been guilty about that, right? Gosh, if I could just get that, then everything will be great. And then you get there and you're like, but then there's something else. And there's always, you know, something on the other side, I think. And we see that all the time with children, teens and adults. And parents raise this question all the time. Sometimes I feel like the more I get from my child, they just want more. And then it becomes this thing of like, it's never enough and and comparing yourself to others. Right. I'm curious from you guys who also, you know, talk to kids all day. And I don't know if you guys have this experience, but in my 
experience talking to teenagers today, now their number one complaint about their parents is that their parents spend too much time on the phones. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. You know, the parents always want to demonize, oh, my kids and their phone, my kids and their social media, my kids and their games. And we're no better. <laughs> yeah. And the generation, we're right. also seeing parents doing a lot of gaming as well yes. now. Yeah. You know, they're yelling at me, but they're staying up to one or two o'clock and they're gaming. So right. how can they yell at me <laughs> right. for being up? Right. Yeah. So that's another thing I'm hearing kids say. Yeah. I had a girl say, you know, my mom came to my soccer game, but she was on her phone the whole time. And when I got into the car at the end of the game, my mom wasn't even sure who won. Yeah. And that was so hurtful to the girl. Yeah. As you said, it's so easy to get caught up into that negativity and, you know, mm-hmm. worrying about your children. How can we enhance those positive emotions to help our mood and our own mindset? So there's a, a few things. I, one is to pay attention to the positive things that are already happening, right? Mm-hmm. Pay attention to the little things, the, you know, that catch them being good kind of philosophy. But, you know, pay attention to when you have that moment of connection or kindness or gratitude, you know, either way, you know, hold on to it. Don't let it be Teflon, right? So pay attention to the good things that are already happening that we let kind of slide off of us. That's number one. Number two is, you know, you can enhance your sense of positive emotion today by recalling the positive things from the past, right? Which I had you do at the beginning. Think about this, you know, experience of a positive emotion for 15 seconds. Oh, then it's like, oh, I felt happier in 15 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Here's another example of that. So I am going to list a, a bunch of words and just pay attention to how you feel as I just list these words. Ready? Okay. Sad, dark, gloomy, tearful, scary, fear, depression, crying, worry. Okay. How do you feel? Yes. Yeah. Like, tell <laughs> totally that woman to shut up, you know, right? Yeah. Okay. It's funny because we talk about positive and reinforcement. And so often, you know, teenagers or kids will say, gosh, my parents are always nagging at what I'm not doing or what could go wrong. And then I feel defeated and I don't try. And parents are like, well, I'm just reminding them of what could go wrong. You yeah. know, but it's interesting when that positive approach to parenting really does work. Right. Okay. So let me do another list and pay attention to how you feel. Is it going right? to be better, man? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just pay attention to how you feel with this list of words, right? So okay. happy, joyful, sunny, appreciation, love, playful, laughing, ecstasy, excitement, pride. Okay, how do you feel? Better, better, <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Now, couple lessons. One, pay attention to the fact that I tried to use the exact same tone of voice in both of those lists, right? I didn't, I didn't say mad, you know, <laughs> mad, right? I didn't say like happy, you know, just happy. But just by the language I use, I can change how you feel 
in seconds, just a list of negative words make you feel heavy, drawn down, right? Sad, make her stop. And a list of happy, uplifting words make you feel like more buoyant. Words are powerful. Language is powerful. The words we use make a difference. Tone obviously makes a difference and amplifies things, but just the language you use can change how we feel. One, I think too, like when parents kind of talk about sounding hopeful or optimistic, even if the child's struggling, Mm -hmm. you know, I had one parent say to me recently, gosh, both my kids are just failing and I feel terrible about it. You know, we talked about her outlook and how she was viewing the situation and how the kids were feeling like failures. They were sensing mom's frustration. Yeah. What is the meaning behind failing? Right. And that's certainly something we talk about a lot. You know, what's the meaning of success? Is success beautiful skin, making the team, being picked number one, having 10,000 friends? What's the definition of success? So that's one way to enhance positive emotion, pay attention to what's already happening in the present, to recall things from the past, which also means, you know, they've done these experiments. It's like, okay, remember a time when you had this like happy emotion, happy experience. Now tell somebody about it. And again, as we talk about it, just like when we tell people about like why we're pissed off, we start to feel pissed off all over again. Right, 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 right. That when we tell somebody about times of feeling pride, joy, or connection, we also re-experiencing that again. So you can also enhance positive emotion in the present by recalling, by talking about, or writing about, or looking at photos. Nobody has pictures on their desk or on their home screen of their kids having a temper tantrum, right? (laughs) That's not what we want to look at. We want to be reminded of when they're sleeping and look angelic with the dog. All of those things. It makes me happy. I'm, I'm remembering something happy. Oh, that Christmas was lovely or whatever. Or that's my meaning. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm working hard. This is why, you know, I can't wait to get home. So photographs are another way. And very important, and this works, you know, when you're talking about working with people who are depressed, is enhancing positive emotion for the future, which is about put things on the calendar that you're looking forward to, not just the orthodontist appointment and tax day. You know? <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, the Caribbean vacation. It can be, you know, a concert, a play of, you know, meeting somebody for coffee. We know that having something to look forward to enhances our positive emotion. Well, and I think, you know, we talk about this with parenting and I think what you've talked about today makes such a difference. There is science behind it and just how we impact because we want as parents we want our children to feel hopeful and optimistic and and how we portray things and how we relay our confidence and our optimism really does impact our children so I think this is such a great reminder for parents that although sometimes they may feel like oh you know just replaying that loop in their head of this is not working my child can't do it my child's not successful our family's in a bad place you start to feel really depressed and you don't see the positive but if you could start to look at some of the positive you're going to start like the exercise I said, you're going to start to feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming. I think we're at the end where we're going to be asking you those three questions. Jackie, do you have anything else? or No, no, not at all. You take it away, Robin. Okay. So these are three questions that we ask every guest. You may choose to answer one, 
two or all three of the questions. It's really your choice, whatever you want to do here. Let me read the three questions and then you decide and tell us what you want to do. Number one, what did you do as a child or teenager that would drive your parents crazy? Mm. Number two, what is the biggest difference between children and teenagers today and when you grew up? And number three, what does successful parenting mean to you? Well, nothing I did bothered my parents. I was spectacular. (laughs) Yeah, nothing. I hate to have a boring answer, but I think the question about like, what's the biggest difference today, I think is just has to do with the influence of technology. And I don't just mean social media. And I will say I am somebody, you know, sometimes I think sometimes social media is really demonized. And I think that social media can absolutely be a gift for people, you know, mm-hmm. makes their worlds bigger before people who, you know, felt weird or awkward for any reason at school. Okay, maybe you're the only kid in your school who is that way. But social media, you can connect to other people who are more like you. And it gives kids a sense of not being so alone. So I don't think social media is necessarily always the demon. But the influence of technology, meaning just a couple things, the world is smaller, more accessible, and they can find out. And do you you remember, you know, we're of the age of like, uh, you ask your parents a question, and they say, go look it up, you know, <laughs> and, yes. and what would that involve? You know, of course it's like, well, I don't care that bad. You know? <laughs> I don't need to know that that much, but now look it up. Like I am somebody, I probably Google something, you know, 10 times a day, easy, you know, what time is Giorgio's pizza open till, you know, whatever <laughs> I know, you know, I'm done. give me a minute, you know, what year was Mary Tyler Moore born? I could tell you that in a minute too, you know, <laughs> but just that accessibility of information, things aren't so secretive or so scary, you know, like when kids start looking at colleges, it's like, oh, what's the acceptance rate at the University of Illinois? Hang on one second, I can tell you, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that that is just a big difference. I think that their attention is far more divided. And of course, you know, we just know that the anxiety is much increased for lots of different reasons. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's anxiety, they're more aware of what's happening in the world, images of scary things is also much more accessible. There's a lot of anxiety about the future, including people who talk about, you know, the future of the planet, the future of the world, the future of social security, the future of whatever, (laughs) you know, I think that there's a lot more exposure to things that make them anxious. Well, thank you. I think this is a great conversation. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure families are really going to like what we're talking about today and find it helpful. So thank you for coming and sharing with us. You're welcome. Thanks so much, Shira, for coming on. This was awesome. I'm excited to share this with our families. Okay, great. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Shira. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. And make sure to subscribe and like us to catch our next episode, where we will take you on a journey to find new ways of successful parenting.